I mean, we, and we have been in a five-week series, and we are going through Scripture looking at uh, the second coming of Christ and the end times. The first week, we talked a little bit about where are we in time. And then uh, last week, Pastor Brad uh, brought an amazing message, basically called The Perfect Storm. If you have not had a chance to check out that message, uh, please go on YouTube or on Facebook or on our website, and I know that you'll be blessed by seeing that. Today, though, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about hope in a world of chaos. Hope in a world of chaos. And you guys check out this video. You're not a Christian. No, you're not. You deny God's word. You believe that our ancestors were fish, and yet you say Christ is your savior? Yes, because I believe in evolution. So you don't believe the Bible. You don't believe Jesus, his word. You don't believe that his word should be the standard. Do you follow Christ? He said you shall not murder. What's this? It's the unjustified taking of human life. That's an image bearer of God. Look at you and he would hate you. Okay. How do you know Christ's message? Where did you get Christ's message from? And I go to church and I pray to God. Where did you get Christ's message? Where did you find it? I found it in my parents. I found it in my community. I didn't listen to hateful bigots like you all. That wasn't very nice. You said we're being you said we're being you said we're being unloving, but you've been insulting the whole time. So who's being loving? Who's being loving? I'm loving to lots of other people. You're the one that are tra that's trying to force trauma on children, on girls. No, you are. You're saying kill the children. Big news surrounding some of the commercials slated to air, including two that are about Jesus Christ. They're a part of the He Gets Us campaign. Now it's backed by a nonprofit group that bills itself as aiming to reintroduce people to the Jesus of the Bible. Ads like this one will air during the big game. Watch. I'll prepare a feast and bring them together, he thought. But some refused to join him. He was heartbroken because he wanted everyone to be filled, not with food and wine, but with compassion. But just saying the word Jesus is riling up some people on social media. One person tweeting, glad I'm an atheist. Others calling the ads cringe personified and are using religious freedom as an excuse to hate and discriminate. When you look at the numbers, uh, we just dropped below 50% for the first time in terms of Americans' membership in houses of worship. Now, my issue in part is with this backlash is that it's been stoked by the media that has somehow, as Chris mentioned, you know, aired toward this public acceptance of mocking and derision towards Christians and those of the Judeo-Christian faith. No, this country actually does need to find Jesus. The hate in this country is just so Awful. People are decrying this as Christo-fascist. What is wrong with appealing to everyone? What is wrong with spreading messages of love, which is what Jesus Christ stood and died for? Guys, this is our world. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's chaotic. Can I get an amen? And uh, to just say the name of Jesus brings us so much um, backlash, and, and, and it's, it's not like it just started. It, it's, it's, it's been going on, but it's getting worse. Matthew 24, 9 through 12, Pastor Brad and I have been bouncing forth, back, uh, forth out of uh, Matthew 24, but I want to read this starting in verse 9. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. 
sin will be rampant everywhere, the love of many will grow cold. I want to make sure that I say this to everybody here is that Bible prophecy was not meant to be given to us to scare us, but to prepare us. Come on, give me an amen. It's not to scare us, but prepare us. I don't know if you guys know this, but there's an actual font that newspapers came up with years ago that basically that they said it would be the size of a font that would be like for end times type of, of, of usage in newspapers. So something like this is going to come up here for you. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, this is when uh, uh, Japan attacked the U.S., um, and uh, this was, you know, war, Oahu uh, bombed by Japanese planes in huge, large font. And then check this one out. This is like end times font. The state of Israel is born, 1948. We're going to talk a little bit more about that today and next week. The next one. In the Philadelphia Inquirer, the Dow uh, dives 508 points back in 1987, made huge headlines. And then you've got this next one, in time font, Russia invades Ukraine. This is just recently. But how about this one right here when this day happens? Go ahead. Jesus Christ returns. Come on. Come on. That's what, I, that's what I'm talking about. So, I mean, there, there is hope in a world of chaos. Can I have a, an amen on that? So three things I want to make sure I say here is that Jesus is returning soon, that we need to be ready to be prepared. Everybody say ready. ready. Tell people about Jesus because, listen, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to say this multiple times. It's about seeing people come to Jesus. It's salvations. Amen? In these end times, we want to see as many people come to Jesus. 1 John 3, 3 says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as he is pure. The New Living Translation actually says that all who have this eager expectation. What eager expectation? For his return, right? And so that's what we're expecting. In a time of chaos, it is so important to remain focused and pure and walking with him. When we discuss and hear and share what we have in Scripture concerning his return in the last days, it helps us to filter out the things that are just not that important. I don't know if you guys went through this, but when Jesus came into my life, that there were these things that I used to hold as so important, but when Jesus came into my heart, all of a sudden it, wasn't, it, it just wasn't that important anymore. And, and, and that's what the Holy Spirit will help us do. It motivates us. It keeps us aware. It keeps us on our toes. It reminds us that people need Jesus. It puts our lives and our faith in the correct perspective. I thought about the return of Christ, and I thought I was trying to think of how could I, how could I do this and put it in an, an, an example or a perspective. And I think of it like I, I shared, um, I think it was two weeks ago, about when my mom or my dad would say, boys, you're going to get it when you get home. You know, remember when I talked about that a little bit? Well, guys, when my dad would say that, you know, to us, and for whatever reason that we did, when he would say, boys, you're going to get it when you get home, I was fearing my dad's return. But when I was doing right and I was living according to the house rules and I was doing what, what I was supposed to be doing and, 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 I, and, and, I, and I was in a loving relationship with my father, guys, I didn't fear his return. I couldn't wait for his return. Amen? And for believers, we need to get to this place where we're not fearing his return, but that we're eagerly expecting it. We need to understand that there's nothing to fear. If you are living a godly life, there is nothing to fear. There is nothing more important than being ready for his return. And that I, 
I can confess with my mouth that I'm looking forward to that day. Hebrews 9.28 says, And now to those who eagerly await him, he will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to bring us the fullness of his salvation. Some scholars actually believe that this is actually speaking to the rapture of the church. Because we know that when he comes, that, that, that second coming of when he comes down to wipe out sin, the Antichrist, the false prophet and all this, it's saying that right here in this scripture, he's not coming to deal with the sin, but to bring fullness of salvation. I believe in this church that between myself and Pastor Brad and Pastor Dana and whoever gets up here on Wednesday night, the many pastors that will speak, I believe in teaching correct theology that we are discussing correct eschatology. And I wish we had more time to go through that, but there is nothing more important than what we do here today than seeing people come to Jesus. As many people as possible, men and women, that could come and accept Jesus as their Savior. Let me say it again. There is nothing more important than talking about Jesus. Jesus is the hope in a world of chaos. Um, back in the 1990s, you know, when your kids, all my, well, let's see, uh, Chase was born in 93, Sky was born in 97, and Ryder was born in 2000. And back in those days, well, I don't know if it's still this today, you'll have to tell me if it is, because I haven't been to one in, in decades, thank the Lord. But, but um, when all of our kids wanted a birthday party, it was done at Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese, you guys, um, listen, I'm going to tell you as a father, you know, I, I cannot tell you how burned out I was at that place, but let me tell you what Chuck E. Cheese is. It is, it is built and manufactured to be a place for controlled chaos. <laughs> listen to what I'm saying, sodas, pizzas, games, tokens, uh, lights, there's um, music, there's animated characters that sing to you. It is made that way. And then the parents begin to show up. We show up with our children. The kids immediately disperse. Now you've got kids running around. You've got kids at the games. You've got kids, you know, eating pizza. They're in the tunnels. They're wetting themselves. They're throwing up in the ball pits. You know, they're fighting. They're crying. It's all a place of complete chaos, but it's created to pump them up and create it for them so that they can have this time. But I want to tell you something that that's what that does. That has nothing to do <laughs> with me anymore. You know what I'm saying? I, 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 I don't want to ever go back to that place ever again until we have grandchildren. Come on now. Yeah, grandkids are coming. I know. Well, hope not. But anyway, um, you, <laughs> you want to know that what really gets me pumped up, it's seeing someone experience salvation, rededication, finding God, experiencing Jesus and the Holy Spirit, renewal and transformation, going from a life ruled by chaos to a life ruled by Christ. Seeing people get to a place in the relationship with Jesus that they are eagerly waiting for his return. There is great value in discussing the return of Christ. Now, I understand that there are extremes when it comes to talking about Christ. On one, on one, one side of the, of the polar, polar opposite is that you have this one, one group of people that's so heady and so spiritual that everything is a sign. 
They can get a, a flat tire and it's a sign. You know, they can something like, uh, they can eat pizza one night and have tons of dreams that night and, and they get up and, that, and that's a sign. But then on the other side, polar opposite, you have those that are believers that don't talk about the return of Christ at all. Nothing. No signs, don't want to talk about it. They just want to live this life. I remember when Russia invaded Ukraine. I mean, I'm talking day one on Instagram and on, on, on Twitter, on Facebook. People were saying, oh, it's Gog and Magog. Quoting scriptures, looking at it in Revelations and looking at it in the, in, in the Old Testament. That this leader and his great nation, they will be the ones to attack Israel. And the truth is, is that I don't know. Is it possible? It is. But will it be Russia? I don't know. Will it be China? I don't know. Will it be the European nations coming together one day to go down and attack Israel? I don't know. Will it be a built-up Muslim force that's going to go and try to take down Israel? I don't know. But we ask God to give us the ability to live in this world, but have the wisdom to recognize and understand when a sign is given. Can I get an amen? This is what we do know. That in the last days, God says Israel will be scattered and regathered in a given land. And guys, this has happened. It's still happening. If you're looking for a sign for the end days, one of them, and we're going to talk one about a big one next week, but one of them is Israel becoming a nation. May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation, and many believed that this is when the prophetic clock began ticking. Zechariah 10, 8-10, look at this with me. When I whistle to them, they will come running, for I have redeemed them. From the few who are left, from the few who are left, when in our time of history were the, were the Jews almost wiped off the planet? Holocaust, right? So look, this is, this is prophetic. They will grow as numerous as they were before. Though I have scattered them like seeds among the nations, they will still remember me in distant lands. They and their children will survive and return again to Israel. I will bring them back. I will resettle them until there is no room for them all. In the midst of all chaos, God has been restoring his people back to Israel. I don't know if you know this, but they do a, a thing every year called Aliyah. And Aliyah is where they invite the, the Hebrew people. They will fly them out to show them what's going on in Israel. And they are already over 40% going to 50% of the Hebrew people in our world are now back living in Israel. So this, this sign is being fulfilled, it's, 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 it's an ongoing completion. Matthew 24, remember, Jesus gave us the criteria. I'm not going to read them all again, but I just want to give you a few. Widespread deception, wars, persecution, plagues and pestilence, legal pro prosecution of Christians, ethnic conflicts, imprisonment of believers, the love of many waxing cold and rumors of wars, and the emergence of false prophets. So I want to talk a little bit about deception and, and false prophets, false teachers. Guys, besides the fact of, of Buddhism uh, being a Hindu or believing in Islam, you have the Baha'i faith. 
You have New Age. The New Age movement is still growing. There's so many of, them that, of, of different religions and different ways to God, we can't keep up with them anymore. You have the Church of Scientology, the Church of Unitarianism, the, the Church of Universalism, and the Church of unifica Unification. Guys, Jesus warns us three times in Matthew 24 alone of deception that's going to come in the end times. Um, I want to talk about the Church of Unification real quick. Um, Back in 2009, God had put a calling on my heart to plant a church, and um, I, was, I was really scared. I was actually even thinking, I was, like, I was telling God, like, Lord, you're going to have to give me some courage and boldness on this because I would much rather move back to California and take my family and go pastor out there with my, you know, with my family and stuff. And, and, um, and I, so I was looking on the, on the Internet for, like, just some sermons on boldness and courage. And, and so I, get, I, I decided to type in Dr. Cho, Youngie Cho, Sermons on Boldness and Courage. Well, guys, you know, there was all the kind of messages that came up, and I selected one, and it was a female uh, pastor that was teaching in, in uh, South Korea, 30,000 people in attendance in this, uh, in this coliseum, and I mean, she's bringing it. Listen, now listen to what I'm saying here. Scripture, she's talking about Jesus, she's talking about God, she's talking about the Holy Spirit, and talking about boldness and courage and, and all this, and I'm, I'm really taking it in. And then all of a sudden, about 20 minutes in, I hear something that she says, and I go, hold on. And I rewind it back about 15, 30 seconds, and I play it again, and I hear her say something about us becoming messiahs. So, guys, I went, I did the same thing. Oh, whoa. I mean, Lori's only going to get that. Anyway, I, I, I pause it, and I scroll down. There's nothing in there about Dr. Cho, and I realize that I've been listening for 20 minutes to Reverend Moon's daughter speaking. Guys, I go back, and I, I'm looking at it, and all of a sudden I realize all the people, all the men are dressed the same, all the women are dressed the same, but that's exactly what happens in the end times, is you have people that are going to rise up, and they're going to use Scripture, they're going to take it out of context, they're going to make it sound like light, but they're speaking darkness. The Church of Unification believes that all men and women will be messiahs. It's a mix of Confucian and Christian beliefs. They believe that marriage removes us from the lineage of sin. That just you getting married, you'll never sin again. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> Golly. Reverend Moon considered himself the second coming of Christ. Now listen to this. Listen to this. This happened in 2004 in Washington, D.C. in one of our senator's office, uh, offices. One of our Senate crowned Reverend Moon the King of Peace. He then went on a tour of tearing down the crosses across our nation, and this happened in, in the U.S., in small, impoverished neighborhoods, tearing down crosses. And when he died, now well, let me just say this about peace, the King of Peace, okay? Guys, come on. John 14, 27 this is Jesus. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Isaiah 9, 6, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Say it out. Prince of Peace. When Reverend Moon died, his church recognized his wife immediately as the Messiah, the mother of mankind. And guys, it's just a ramping up. It's that birth pains that we talked about, that Pastor Brown and both of us have been talking about. It's speeding up. It's ramping up. 
I think about the Grammys. Guys, I want to can I just say this? And, and I'm just being transparent with you. Nobody, I'm not looking at anybody. I don't, I, I, I promise you, I'm not, I, this is not about anybody in this room. I just, it broke my heart watching the responses on Facebook and Instagram of believers that didn't see what happened at our this year's Grammys as a big deal. I didn't even watch the Grammys. I was going through like a times two just to get to the end. Just to, I just wanted to see in a, in a quick visual. what it, We had like Sam Smith up there with a trans woman singing this song, doing this basically this satanic song. You had Illuminati salutes throughout the entire thing. You had fights backstage. You had jealousy over the wins and losses of who won those songs. Guys, it was complete chaos, but we had believers that just really didn't see it as a big deal. We had one crisis, the pandemic, that we are still recovering from. We are still have not recovered from the effects of COVID-19, of what, what it had on our planet. We still are, we have people that are suffering from fear. We are still separated into groups of people that can't stand the people that took the shot or didn't take the shot. Food shortage, inflation, we have supply chain issues. Did you know we had a prayer meeting here this, this past Tuesday with the ministers of our section and one of the presbyters came in and told us that, that we have pastors that are just about to have to step down because the people still have not returned to church. Out of fear. COVID destroyed small businesses around the world. There was persecution. Guys, listen, we had uh, pastors in New York and California during COVID that they were being threatened with jail time and, and heavy fines if they kept opening up their doors. We know this for a fact that in Canada that they would actually go and padlock the church doors shut and take the pastors to jail. Faith was challenged. And we can't recover from one thing before the next thing is happening. We have just come out of the pandemic, and now Russia has invaded Ukraine. What if? I know we don't like to play the what if game when it comes to Christianity, but I think we should today. I want, I want us to understand how chaotic this world is going to be, how, how it's going to look in the end times. What if? While Russia is invading Ukraine, that China decides to go to war with Taiwan. What if, while both of those wars are going on, that North Korea decides to attack South Korea? What if that all three of these wars are going on and another pandemic hits on top of these potential events? And guys, I'm telling you, there are super bugs that they have in these medical facilities that make, that make COVID-19 look like a dream. What about earthquakes? Worldwide, guys, check, check out this picture here. This is what just happened that we know just happened in um, Turkey and which also uh, affected Syria. Guys, check this out. From 1980 to 2000, and listen to these stats so that you'll capture this. From 1980 to 2000, we averaged two earthquakes a year above a 2.7 magnitude. Just last year alone, we had 21 earthquakes above a 4.0. In California alone, in 2008 to 2017, they experienced 1.8 million tremors. And again, in Turkey and in Syria, up, up as far as a Valentine's Day, um, we, the total was at 41,000, and I'm sure it's grown even more since then. 
And these are just the beginnings of the earth's labor pains that bring on the end times. And here's the truth. There will be those who are not looking for the return of Christ. Let me say it this way. To the world, sin does not matter. Sin doesn't matter. They tolerate and accept everything. They are not interested in what eternity with or without Christ looks like. In fact, when you talk about end times with some of these people, they will say, come on, bring it on, and we'll have drinks and, 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 and invite the end times to come on. And the strategy of the enemy, the strategy of Satan himself, is to sow deception and to create a world of complete chaos. Let me remind you of who the devil is. Revelations 12.9, this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world. John 8.44, he was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 2 Corinthians 11.13-14, great translation. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Dr. David Jeremiah gave some thoughts, and I, I wanted to share these with you. But one of the thoughts he said that what, what he believes is going to happen in the last days, Satan is going to dispute God's word. I think about in Genesis when God had set up the Garden of Eden for Adam and Eve, and he basically says, everything is yours. Everything is yours except this right here. Because if you, if you eat from this tree, he says, you are going to die. And so what does Satan do? The first thing he can do to a serpent is he goes to Eve and he says, is that really what he said? Does everybody hear what I'm saying? He begins to sow deception. The second thing is that Satan will try and displace God's word. Basically, it's you or your own God and try to, to convince us that evil is good. Satan will discount God's goodness, getting us to a place where we say, why did God let this happen? That God doesn't hear me, that God doesn't care, that God has abandoned me. Satan will exaggerate God's leading as being restrictive. That's where we get to the place where we go, I don't need God. I don't want God in my life. Satan diminishes God's penalty. Did you know I had a buddy of mine that, that pastored in central, and in central U.S., and his church was running around 8,000, but the problem with his theology was, was that he didn't believe that there was a hell. He believed that hell is right now, and that's what happens here is that Satan diminishes God's penalty. There is no hell. Hell is now that I would rather be in hell than with a God that only allows one way to him. As we are preparing for his return and making ourselves ready, everybody say ready. ready. Jesus reminds us in Matthew 24, 6, that there is no reason to panic. Look at it. But do not panic. As we begin to see more chaos rise in our world, we do have hope in Jesus. Amen? And we do have a solid foundation in him. And I just want to encourage you with three thoughts. And the first thought is this right here. The good news will continue to be the good news. Come on. 
The good news is going to continue to be the good news. That even up until the time that Christ comes, the good news will remain the good news. There is hope in the message of Jesus. He came he died, he rose from the dead, he will return for you and me, and he loves you so much. Somebody needs to hear that today. No matter what you're struggling with, no matter what you're going through, what, no, no matter what you feel like you've got in your ear, just like tagged to a wall, and you can't get away from it, I want you to know that Jesus loves you so much. And this is what we know, is that one day he will reign for eternity. Amen? Some people don't recognize his reign now, but I'm just telling you, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Matthew 24, 14. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. No matter how chaotic it might be, the good news will be preached. The good news that hope is alive. Who is our hope? Jesus. Is he alive? Amen. The good news is that, the, that hope is alive. Second thought is this. Be a carrier of hope in a chaotic world. Be a carrier of hope in a chaotic world. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with the confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What I love about this visual is, is that when you fill up a cup and you continue to fill it up and it begins to overflow, it goes everywhere. And when God begins to fill us with his hope and it begins to overflow, that hope will go everywhere. Amen? That we would be a carrier of hope and affect many for his kingdom. I want to invite the worship team to come on up. Let's give them a, another hand. What a great, great time of worship. And here's the, here's the last and final thought is this right here. Hold on to your hope and do not let go. Matthew 24, 12 through 13. Guys, check this out right here. There will be such an increase of the sin of the lawlessness that those whose hearts once burned with passion for God and others will grow cold. But hold your hope firmly to the end and you will experience life and deliverance. In the New, in the New Living Translation, it actually says it this way, and the love of many will grow cold. Wax cold the Greek for that is suko. And basically suko, I know it looks like psycho, but it's suko. So <laughs> um, there's too many jokes to go with that. But anyway, suko, it really means this right here. Listen to what I'm about to say. To progressively grow cold-hearted. It literally means that your ability to love literally is leaving you, that you will not even have the ability to love anymore. And so, Pastor Matt, how do I fight this? Well, you draw near. You continually be intentional about drawing near to the fire of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And it goes on in, in another translation. It says, but the one who endures to the end, enduring to the end is, is hupameno. And hupameno means to endure. It means to persevere even though there are trials. To hold on to faith in Christ no matter the chaos. Church, listen to me. Keep drawing near to God and you will find hope in Jesus. Titus 2, 12-13 says this. This same grace teaches us how to live each day. 
as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyles, and it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. For we continue to wait for the fulfillment of our hope. Everybody say hope. In the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. Isn't that a great translation? This hope is worth waiting for. Let me say it again, church. This hope is worth waiting for. Let me say this too. Jesus is coming soon. Church, hear me again. Jesus is coming soon. And there's nothing more important for today than getting out there and telling people about Jesus. Pastor Matt, I can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I don't know the scriptures. I don't know what I'm going to say. Yet you will be able to do it because I promise you the Holy Spirit is going to walk you through it. You can text people. You can go have coffee with people. You can go walk around the park with somebody. You can get on the phone. You can invite them over to your house. And it's all God-appointed things that you're going to be able to do it. But, but get out there and just share your life. Remember, let that hope overflow and get all over people. Amen? And just to see more and more people come to Jesus. The worship team is going to get ready to pr praise the Lord. Let's all stand together very quickly.